Welcome back to the PICCOM podcast. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Chad Merkin about next-generation nanomaterials in medical applications. I'm Chad Merkin, uh, Professor of Chemistry and Director of the International Institute for Nanotechnology at Northwestern University. I've been there for over 30 years, uh, focus on the development of uh, nanomaterials and, and devices that can advance uh, analytical capabilities, ranging from uh, molecular diagnostic tools to ways of manipulating uh, gene expression to uh, ultimately developing uh, new therapeutic modalities. Yeah, and how did you first get involved with the International Institute for Nanotechnology? I started it <laughs> uh, about 25 years ago. Um, we were kind of on the, uh, uh, we were, were the first International Institute for Nanotechnology and, and uh, uh, kind of seized an opportunity as, as this uh, field was really uh, taking off and, and began to build uh, uh, an incredible epicenter for, for this type of research that uh, drew people from all over the world. And uh, that includes fantastic uh, faculty, but also uh, postdocs and students that all contribute uh, to the development of these tools. Yeah. And what are the main challenges limiting the development of next-generation diagnostic and therapeutic tools? Uh, there are many challenges. It depends on, on uh, whether we're talking about diagnostics or therapeutics. In the diagnostic front, uh, it's uh, uh, what you can detect, uh, how little you can detect, and where you can detect. Uh, and so uh, nanotechnology is so important there because nanostructures give you the ability to build multifunctional materials that can navigate uh, different environments and can bind to uh, targets in unique high affinity ways uh, and can signal in unique ways, all of which lead to new diagnostic capabilities, whether you're trying to do in vitro diagnostics, intracellular diagnostics, or even in vivo uh, diagnostics. On the therapeutic front, similar. Um, it's all about how do you get uh, drug modalities um, uh, to the point or to the area where they're needed. Uh, and that often involves navigating a really complex milieu of tissues and cells and uh, compartments within cells. Uh, and the multifunctionality of, of nanostructures allows you to do that in unique ways. And what are some of the common areas in the medical field where nanomaterials are currently being utilized? Diagnostic tools are, are actually used now everywhere that are based upon nanotechnology. Uh, an example is, is the uh, Veragene system, which was developed by Nanosphere, a company we started about 20 years ago. Um, uh, that was bought by Luminex, which was then bought by Diasorin or Diasorin. Uh, and uh, that uh, tool is, is used in, in over half the world's uh, top hospitals to uh, track genetic markers associated with disease. Uh, there are constructs called nanoflares that have been used all over the world uh, to measure uh, intracellular RNA content. Um, and now there are a whole series of tools that are being developed, which will become commercial tools that allow you to improve on those capabilities, but also go into uncharted areas, including uh, in vivo imaging. And are there any nanomaterials that have been particularly prominent in, in this field, and, and why is that? An example of a prominent uh, a material is, is something called a spherical nucleic acid, which we invented uh, a couple of decades ago, 25 years ago. Um, these are, are constructs that are made by taking little snippets of DNA or RNA, uh, chemically functionalizing them so that they can be uh, put on the surfaces of, of spherical particles, tiny nanoparticles. And at high density, they're forced to stand upright and they adopt the shape of the particle core, hence the term spherical nucleic acid. Uh, these constructs are the basis for commercial probes, 
uh, used in uh, uh, the Veragene system, for example. Uh, they're also the basis for nanoflare technology. Uh, they're the basis for fitflare technology. Um, and they're the basis for many new drug modalities that allow you to uh, control uh, gene expression in unique ways, so regulate gene expression, uh, ways to create new vaccines. Uh, they, are, they can become the adjuvants of vaccines, and when modified with peptides, they can be used to train your immune system to selectively eradicate either infectious disease or to eradicate different forms of cancer. Um, and then they're also the basis for uh, new types of CRISPR uh, uh, gene editing uh, capabilities. Uh, so the spherical nucleic acid uh, can enter cells and tissues unlike normal DNA and RNA uh, quite freely. And so if you take uh, uh, Cas9, the protein uh, involved in, in, in CRISPR or any of the Cas proteins and modify with DNA and load up with the CRISPR components, you now can get CRISPR into cells and tissues that you normally can't get it into and you can affect gene editing in, in novel and powerful ways. That's fascinating. And um, what roles does toxicological analysis play in enabling nano-based healthcare devices? Toxicity is, is always a, a key concern of, of anything that certainly is going to be used uh, in vivo, but even things that are used in vitro. You, you want to know uh, uh, what the basic toxic, toxicity of, of different components are and, and uh, being able to uh, figure out uh, and understand uh, where and how you can use these constructs safely uh, is a big part of, of any exercise uh, developing either probes or therapeutic tools, and, and they're, they're key in this area as well. How important is a multidisciplinary approach to workflows that hope to integrate nanotechnologies into the design of a new diagnostic or therapeutic system? Nanotechnology is the ultimate interdisciplinary field in the sense that it's really about redefining all of science and engineering and aspects of medicine. Because when you take a material and shrink it down in size, or if you take molecular components and assemble them up to the nanoscale, those constructs all have new properties, properties that are very different from the bulk. Um, so there's a lot of scientific discovery there, understanding the structure-function relationships. Uh, but then there's application. Uh, how do I use those properties to develop new tools that can drive biology, that can drive medicine, that can drive clean energy, uh, that can drive optics, electronics, you name it. And so uh, depending on what you're using those materials for, we draw upon different disciplines to really tackle those problems, oftentimes in a, a very team-oriented way. Uh, so it's, it's rare to see somebody really excel in this field that doesn't either have a broad skill set or surround themselves with, with lots of folks from different fields. Yeah, definitely. And are there any particular nanotechnologies um, helping to target devastating diseases like cancer? There are many. Uh, nanotechnologies. Uh, it's one of the most exciting, I think, areas and advances. Look, if we just went through COVID, um, those are a step towards nanotechnological uh, tools. So uh, lipid particles uh, that encase uh, mRNA and, and uh, allow you to effectively uh, uh, trick your cells or teach your cells how to produce antigens that uh, elicit a specific immune response. Um, that's an example of how nanostructures or microstructures in that particular case can play a big role in terms of driving the development of medicine. Uh, it gets even better as you begin to build tinier structures and you can control the different components, the presentation of the components so that you can uh, develop powerful new forms of immunotherapy that fight cancer in unique ways. For example, uh, ways that allow you to not only regulate how these components get into cells, but how they're processed within those cells so that you can maximize 
the efficiency of a, of a particular type of drug, or in this case, vaccine. And uh, what are you working on right now that you're particularly excited about? We're working on vaccines in, in, in a big way. Uh, so, so we've been trying to redefine uh, how we think about developing vaccines, not just for infectious disease, but for different forms of cancer, using a concept we call rational vaccinology. And, and the, the, the concept behind rational vaccinology is that structure matters. So if you think of pharmaceutical development over the last, well, five decades, uh, we've focused heavily, in ca the case of small molecules and biologics, on, on uh, the structure. Sometimes a single atom can change the efficacy of a drug. With vaccines, we don't do that. It's amazing. We take two components, an adjuvant and an antigen, we mix them together, uh, we inject and we hope for a, 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 an appropriate immune response. Rational vaccinology says that if I take those components in a nanostructure and present them in different ways, I can get different effects and I can move uh, along the ineffective uh, to curative axis in a significant way. And so we've shown now with uh, many different uh, uh, animal models that, that rational vaccinology is real and that if you uh, take a, a series of components designed to create a vaccine and structure them in the appropriate manner, you can significantly uh, maximize their, their efficacy. And you mentioned uh, COVID before. Um, obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted exhibitions such as PitCon. How important is it for speakers and exhibitors to come together face-to-face uh, -to -face at events like this? Well, face-to-face -face events like PitCon are, are, are critical. I mean, so much was lost over the, over the COVID years, uh, not just in terms of pr lab productivity, but in terms of personal contact and exchange of information. Uh, you know, science thrives when there is a lot of interaction between scientists. Uh, that interaction is a lot better face-to-face uh, -face than via Zoom or um, uh, remote-type uh, uh, capabilities. Every month, we will be sharing an exclusive interview with some of PitCon's four leaders. Remember to leave a review, share the episode, and follow the PitCon podcast to hear firsthand when new episodes are out.